Coffee and Bible Times Monday morning podcast. And what else do I need to say? You know what? This podcast could potentially be a bit of a train wreck. I have not practiced it before, but I figured, you know what, it'll add to the excitement because today's is going to be a rager, okay? If you read the title, then you're probably already concerned and thinking, why in the world would she make a podcast like this? I'm dying to know, yet I really am cringing already and don't know why I'm here listening. Well, if that's you, me too. I'm in the same boat. And uh, currently my sister doesn't know that what the title of this podcast is, and I have a feeling when she sees it upload, she's going to be like, why did I let my little sister run a podcast under our name? Well, I'm actually here to tell you that today's podcast is going to be really good. The title is The Only Virgin in the Room. That is, that is the title unless I switched it because I got too embarrassed. But originally the name was going to be The Only Virgin in the Room. And if you want to know how my entire science class found out that I was a virgin, well, then just keep listening. Um, as you can tell, it's going to be extremely interesting. You guys aren't strangers to my love life. And mainly that's because everything I have to say about it is both hilarious and yet non-existent. Um, but of course I'm going to not just make a random podcast without trying to tie it into some theme where a lesson can't be learned or without something being relatable in some way. So as always, you know, I go through my week, I'm going through this week and I'm trying to find inspiration on what I want to talk about on the podcast. And, you know, I struggle with ideas sometimes and my sister is always telling me, just talk about something funny. Like you have so many funny stories. Also, I'm getting a lot of spit build up in my mouth. So let me swallow, please. Ah, ooh, I felt good. You know what? It just builds up. Have you ever done public speaking? You either get severe dry mouth syndrome or spit buildup. And you know what? It's, it's a hit or miss for me. Sometimes it's spit buildup, but sometimes it's dry mouth. Today it's spit buildup. But anyways, like I was saying, I do try to find funny stories, like my sister says, but I really want it to tie into a lesson or to a theme. Um, and today was a good day because I was reading my quiet time and I was in Luke 14 and I just found something that really spoke to me. And you know what? It led me down a rabbit hole of thoughts that somehow landed on this story that I decided I would share with you guys today. So the chapter is Luke 14, verse 34 through 35. And it says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Yep, emphasis on manure pile. Um, now you might be asking, how exactly does a manure pile relate to my love life? Well, it doesn't really. Although if I am going to say this, I am more comfortable around poop than I am the opposite gender. But that doesn't really have anything to do with what I have to say today. Uh, sometimes I feel like my brain is really scattered and, you know, I read a verse like this and it really did take me down a rabbit hole of thoughts. Um, and the story does minutely relate to it. Okay. Um, and I promise I will circle back around on how this verse fits in with my virginity story. But at first, I do have to tell you my virginity story. And uh, it does relate to this verse, I promise you. Um, so <laughs> let's just go back down memory lane. For some reason, I'm getting really excited, although the story is very cringy. So last fall semester, uh, I was in my 
second semester of anatomy and physiology class, so anatomy and physiology too. Uh, and it was the first day. So I had prayed, or at least I'm trying to think back, and I think I prayed for a friend um, in that class because it's hard to go through a class and not really have any friends or feel like you can relate to anybody. Um, but I remember when I showed up, the room was almost so full. I was like, "Ugh, of course the room is full. And, you know, I was aiming for those back row seats. Okay. I was aiming for the back row seats and they were all taken. So I was scanning their room very fast and I found an aisle seat open next to a girl and I snagged it fast. Okay. First of all, it was golden because it was an aisle seat, extremely easy to get out. Second, I would be me sitting next to a girl, which is also great because I'm awkward with boys <laughs> in general. Um, but if I take a step back, I'm awkward by myself as I'll get out. So if I sat next to a boy, the mix would probably end in me in a coma. So the time neared the end of the class and another girl came in and it ended up being three girls at my one table. And little did I know that it would be such a fun class um, because of the group of girls that I was sitting next to. And so like a week goes by, several classes, like three classes, um, when I realized that the third girl that came to our table actually had a ring on her finger. And you know what finger I'm talking about, ladies? The ring finger in the left hand. So I was like, okay, this girl's married. I was like, oh my goodness, I I said something, I was like, so, are you married? And she's like, yeah, I've actually been married for about four years now. Um, she told us their love story, really cute. And me and the other girl that I was sitting next to were apparently both single. And she just turns and she goes, yeah, I'm still a virgin. And I was like, I literally looked at her, I was like, me too. And then we looked in the front of the class and this guy that was sitting in front of us was looking back at us and watching. And which, can I just take a side moment to realize that I thought he was cute. Okay. He was my type. And he was looking back at us with this really awkward smile. Like he was kind of cringing, kind of felt bad for us, but also didn't know what to say because he knew he wasn't supposed to be listening to us. And only then did I realize that half the class was staring at us because apparently we didn't know how to talk at a normal volume. So amidst the entire awkwardness, everyone started laughing. And you you know, I joined that laughing circle because at that point I really didn't even know what to do with myself. I was mortified, embarrassed that the entire class knew that I was a virgin, but also I felt a little bit of comfort because the girl next to me said it too. And I was like, well, at least I'm not alone. But, uh, in that moment, I kind of realized that me and my friend were in the, in the minority of all the people in it, in my class when it came to our love life. As time goes on, you know, when you're younger, it's normal to be a virgin, right? Because you're a uh, one-year-old. But then when you get older and then you're in college, you really begin to realize that everyone else is moving on with their love life. Um, and me and this other chick had never lost our virginity. Um, and it was kind of the first time that I felt a little weird for not being sexually, sexually active, as cringy as that is for me to say. 
and I've always been the type of girl that really didn't go out of my way to talk to boys. Um, I really just had close friends that were girls instead. I just felt more comfortable around them, still do. And you know what? There are times that I pride myself on how I'm saving myself intentionally for a marriage. Um, but then I also come to think about how my love life in general is non-existent and I don't really have and never have been in a remote situation and where I would actually even have the opportunity to have sex. As weird as that sounds, but for one, I've never dated, okay? I've never dated and I would like to say it's because I have high standards, <laughs> but, uh, I can also tell you that I've never been pursued by anyone other than a 10-year-old boy. Um, and no, not a 10-year-old boy right now. I'm talking about when I was a 10-year-old girl and he was a 10-year-old boy, which that was an interesting story. And I can tell for another day. Um, but also, for another, I've always seemed to avoid situations in where I would even have the opportunity to talk to boys. I never had friend groups that were boys. Um... And even in high school, I was on the lacrosse team and there was a lot of like events where the girls lacrosse team and the guys lacrosse team would get together. But I somehow avoided a lot of those and I really wasn't into even going to watch the boys games like a lot of the other girls on my team were. Um, they were interested in relationships. I just never was. I never went out of my way to get to know a boy and um, yeah, never have until really this year and it didn't really work out for me. Um, and that can be a story for another podcast, but I do want to be sensitive because I know he listens to some of our content and I don't want to make things uncomfortable, although I will never see him again. Um, yeah, I really hope he's not listening to this because that would just be majorly awkward. Can we just take a moment to realize that there is a level of uncomfortability when you're dating and you have a platform with people? That's why I always tell myself, I'm like, okay, if I ever get with somebody, I need to keep it really low key because I don't want to be the type of person that's showing a boyfriend every five seconds and then breaking up with them and, you know, getting people invested in it. Of course, I'm really going far off on a tangent because like you heard from these past five paragraphs, I don't talk to boys. Okay. Um, so yeah. Uh, anyways, back to class. Let's go back to the story, back to the class where it ha happened. Okay. So I just remember feeling so awkward at the time that that happened when the whole class found out I was a virgin. Um, thank goodness the teacher wasn't there, by the way. He was late, but the whole class did hear it. Okay. Um, yeah, I felt really awkward, but at the same time, I felt really like myself. Um, I never really talked except for to these girls, and like I felt like they just got to know me for who I am right off the bat. Not that my identity is that I'm a virgin, because it's not. But, like, typically, like, I don't tell people things about me unless... Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. 
Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. I'm really close to them. So it kind of just happened and it was like a way for me to make friends with them without even me trying. Um, But in that moment when she was talking about how she was a virgin, I kind of wondered if she was a believer. Um, And yeah, it's because she was a virgin. It is a little rare when you get older for more people to be virgins unless they're believers. Um, But of course, you know, you can be a non-believer and still be a virgin. I'm not saying that. But I did wonder for her. Um, She didn't swear um, like a lot of people did. And she just seemed to like she was just really nice. And so as time went on, I was like kind of keeping my eye out to try to figure out if she was a believer or not. And I ended up finding out that her parents were like, her dad was a pastor. I think, yeah, her dad was a pastor. And I just thought that was so interesting. I was like, oh, like she's probably a Christian. And like, even though I knew that her parents were pastors and that she was a virgin, I was still like searching Um, to see if her faith was genuine to herself and if it wasn't just her parents or her environment and what she grew up in. Um, But what baffled me was that the whole semester, I felt like I never really found anything salty about her that showed me Christ. And of course, she didn't go out of her way to act worldly, but I also felt like I never saw like her faith be made personal. And I'm not here to conclude that uh, I know her salvation, whether she is or not. I mean, I don't know that at all. Um, but what really reminded me of all this was just reading Luke 14 and feeling a level of conviction that there is a difference between being a quote-unquote Christian and being a salty Christian. And this isn't the first time that Jesus mentioned to his disciples that they should be salt. Actually, in Matthew 5.13, he also told them, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. There is another verse. Um, But I also want to read you guys this commentary. Um, It's called the Warren Wearsby Commentary. I've been getting really into it lately. Um... And I wanted to just share this because it's on those two passages of salt, the Luke 14 and the Matthew 5. Um, And I think that you'll really start to realize how my story is going full circle. So it says, salt is a preservative and God's people in this world are helping to retard the growth of evil and decay. Salt is also a purifying agent, an antiseptic that makes things cleaner. It may sting when it touches a wound, but it also helps to kill infection. Salt gives flavor to things, and most of all, it makes people thirsty. By our character and conduct, we ought to make others thirsty for the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that he alone can give. Now, to summarize these into three points, I put number one, A salty Christian is meant to slow the growth of evil and decay in this world. That is our purpose. Number two, a salty Christian is pure in their ways. We sting the wounds of sin because we died to self and we are living in accordance to truth. A salty Christian is convicted by sin and will sharpen others by their words and conduct. 
And number three, a salty Christian makes the world thirsty for the Lord and for the freedom and salvation that he alone can give. And the reason why I talk about the story of the girl in class is because it's like I almost see the girl that sat next to me as a metaphor for myself. And I knew that day that we had that extremely awkward virginity conversation that the whole class happened to be listening in on was that we would no doubt be friends while in the class. But as the semester went on, I kept wanting to see her faith lived out in her life. What the reality was is she just didn't have the character of a salty Christian. When I was with her, I didn't feel like she was making me thirsty for the Lord. And the thing is, is I was even really searching for a Christian friend at the time who could sharpen and encourage me and someone who was pure in all their ways, thirsty for the word themselves, and then also inspired me to thirst more for the word. And while I didn't end up leaving that semester with her as a forever friend, I was extremely grateful for her because I think God placed her in my life for that time to teach me a lesson about what it truly means to live a salty Christian life. And seeing the way that she blended in and didn't talk about Christ, it made me frustrated. And I was frustrated because she knew all this knowledge about the wonderful salvation and freedom of Christ and she kept it from the world. And I'm not here to bash her because, like I said, this was a lesson for myself. Seeing the way that she acted was a way for God to reveal to me how I acted in class. It was almost like every day I sat into class and when I turned and looked at her, I was looking in a mirror. I knew that she had a faith background and I was waiting to see if she would show the true light of Christ in public. And I wanted to see what it was like to actually be confident in our faith and be a salty Christian, even in the midst of a crowd of secularism and worldly people. And the sad truth was that by the end of the semester, so much time went by and I don't feel like we left the class feeling thirsty for the word of God and thirsty to know the Lord and the truth and the salvation and freedom that comes from him. And that is something that I want to challenge myself for next semester. And that's so hard for me because I really see myself as a wallflower and I don't like being the center of attention. And when it comes, like when you throw Christ into that mix, okay, you're definitely going against the grain. And the saltiness of living a Christian life stings the culture of this world. But the Bible tells us what good is salt if it loses its saltiness. Let me read this to you. Our modern, this is also from the Warren Wearsby commentary. Our modern salt is pure and it does not lose its flavor. But the salt in Jesus' day was impure and it could lose its flavor, especially if it came in contact with the earth. Once the saltiness was gone, there was no way to restore it. And the salt was thrown out into the streets and walked on. When a disciple loses his Christian character, he is, quote, good for nothing and will eventually be, quote, walked on by others and bring disgrace to Christ. (sighs) Wow. The thing is, is that that sounds really harsh, but Matthew tells us that. That when salt isn't salty, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on underfoot. 
It's not even good for a manure pile. Okay, a manure pile. And for me, it's a really scary thought to think about reaching the end of my life and bringing disgrace to Christ because I held back the light that was given to me. And I don't want to reach the end of my race and know that that my saltiness was good for nothing. Like, how blessed am I to be able to read the word and go to church and just know salvation and be confident in my salvation with Christ and then to do nothing with it? I mean, that is disgraceful. That is so disgraceful. And the thing is, the only way for me to combat wanting to blend in, because that that to me is one of my pitfalls, is just wanting to blend in. The only way that I combat that is by fixing my eyes on Christ. The main reason why I want to hide is because I'm worried about what people will think of me. And the problem about worry is that it blinds us to itself. We actually begin to think that worrying accomplishes something in our lives. But Jesus says in Luke 12 that worrying does not add one extra minute to our lives. And God can do so much in and through us if we just let go of control. The problem is not his little power because he can do anything. The problem is our little faith in him to work through us. We have to look at the earth from heaven's point of view and make sure that we put God's kingdom first above everything. The main question that we have to ask ourselves is where is our hearts? Because if our hearts are fixed on the transient things of the earth, then we will always worry. But if we are fixed on the eternal then God's peace will guard our minds and hearts. And my prayer for you guys and for me is that this scripture would resonate with us and it would help us to take a second look at our lives and just question if we're trying to dim down the saltiness of our lives And I know that we can all relate to the times when we just want to blend in with the world. It's easier to go with the flow. It's easier to try to indulge in our flesh and give in to our sinful ways. Um, But my conviction after reading that and after going through that class was that I do more blending in than standing out for Christ. And... And that was the wake-up call that I needed to know that something needed to change. And this is my declaration, honestly, that I'm not perfect. And this is my declaration to Christ that I just need to surrender and tell him that I need help. And I need help wanting to live a salty life for him. And I need help wanting to fix my eyes on the eternal and the and have a heavenly perspective because I, in the end, I just want to please Christ. I want to please Christ. And when I fix my eyes on the earth, I veer off that path and I veer on trying to please my fleshly nature and I veer on trying to please others and I veer on letting worry take control of my life. But guys, this conviction is a good thing. This conviction is a good thing because When we feel convicted about something, it is our opportunity to bring it to God and just say, here's my heart, Lord, and I want to take up my cross 
and I want to surrender my my life to you again. I want to surrender my life to you every second that I live in order for me to live as Christ. And guys, it isn't easy all the time because guess what? I'm here telling you this podcast because that happened sec- last semester and I'm still struggling with wanting to blend in. But when you tell someone about it and when you tell Christ and you actively are surrendering it to him every single day, things will change. And when you fix your eyes on the eternal, things will change. It, I'm telling you, the peace of Christ is given to us when we take our eyes off of this world and let go of control. So that was today's podcast. Yes, it had an extremely wild title, um, but it really did end with a strong conviction and a level of truth from the word. So if this resonated with you, anything in this podcast, or you're thinking about a friend, please share this with them. Please share. Um, let's be sharing truth constantly all the time in this world because truth isn't shared enough. Okay. We can't, we can't dim our light. We need to stop trying to not be salty. So just share any truth that you learn from this with somebody and we'll see you guys in our next podcast next week. And it's going to be a good one because we have a guest, Emma Mae Jenkins. Thank you for listening. Bye.